Good day, everyone, and welcome to the CX Central podcast. My name is Justin Tippett, and today I'm joined by special guest Amy Gibson, the Customer Engagement Manager at Baptist Care. Welcome, Amy. Thanks, Justin. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a really great privilege. Great to finally get you on. We've been planning on this for a while, so it's finally yeah. good to, uh, to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Now, we've got, yeah. a, we've got a lot to talk about today. I know we want to talk to um, sort of how you're really sort of taking a different approach, I guess, to contact centre management. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about driver trees and a lot of other stuff. But before we mm-hmm. get into that, I want to just talk about the, the Amy Gibson story. So tell me a little bit oh, about right. firstly yeah. <laughs> how you got into contact centres. So... I always think my my mum always says that you know I was always very chatty on the phone when before mobile phones. I'll show my age, uh, but yeah, I started in the contact centre really just when I came out of university, and I started to learn all about you know stats and figures and numbers and love the data side of it. But I also really enjoyed connecting with the individuals I was talking to on the phone and adapting my style. Uh, to their learning and I actually became then a trainer for um, various different organisations for contact centres or call centres, even one for the government and, you know, so I was given a exposure to the immense skill that customer service or customer advisors or agents have and I think they're sort of undervalued in a lot of ways because they do really see the whole picture of an organisation and they do really have an ability to adapt their style of talking to explain different concepts. And often they're given these really difficult tasks of not ready times and average handle times and you've got to log on. I remember one job I had, I had to log on at 7.57 in the morning. That was my schedule. Uh, And so... When I moved out of contact centre worlds for a bit, it was very strange to not have a schedule. I was like, so I can just go for lunch whenever? <laughs> it, was, it was a very odd sort of feeling when yep. I was no longer, like, you know, stuck to this schedule of this is what you have to do. And, yeah, so as, as my career sort of unfolded, I became a trainer and then I went back into um, contact centre world because... I'm just so passionate about how the people talk on the phone and how they interact with people. And really, no one wakes up in the morning and thinks, great, I'm going to call a call centre today. Like, no one ever says that. But from an agent perspective or an advisor perspective, whoever's answering the phone, they're held to some really strict KPIs a lot of the time. and. And so they've got that added pressure, plus the fact that no one's calling them on their best day. So it's a, it's a, such a hard job when you're literally chained to your desk. A little bit different now because we can go, you know, wireless. But in in general, like it's a, a passion of mine to just explore the potential of the people who work in, in contact centres and then to reimagine how we can do this and not put those pressures of average handle times, talk times, how many seconds you're allowed to unpack a problem with the person on the phone, but just talk to the person. And that's where I was given an opportunity with Baptist Care to sort of create the contact centre of my dreams, really. 
which is how it all came about. Well, you've, wet, you've wet the appetite. I'm very intrigued to learn how you do that because mm-hmm. we know obviously in contact centres there are a, a huge amount of metrics and we know that um, you know a lot of agents are held still to AHT mm-hmm. and different schedules mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. So I'm looking forward to yeah. unpacking this call centre of your dreams and how it's all working. But yes. before we dive into that, Amy, just tell me a little bit um, for those that aren't aware, what, what's Baptist Care? What, what do you guys do? So Baptist Kids is an amazing organisation. We're a not-for-profit organisation and we uh, cover New South Wales and um, the ACT in Australia. And we provide aged care services, so residential aged care, nursing homes, if people are not sure, Um, retirement living, so independent living, um, people who are just downsizing and want to live in a retirement community, Uh, affordable housing for people who can't afford the exponential rents in Sydney. Yep. Um, we also have a community services branch where we talk about, we help people with finding food support if they don't have any food or money available, domestic violence support, domestic violence counselling, counselling for perpetrators of domestic violence, uh, no interest loans. So if you're not normally going to be someone who qualifies for a loan but you need a fridge because your fridge has died and you've, you've got no money, we can, you know, help facilitate a no-interest loan. Yep. Uh, so check I've got all my divisions there. And also help in the home. Um, so for aged care, it's, a you know, getting people in your home to help you live in, you know, your own home for as long as possible and keeping you happy and healthy within your own home. So it's it's a very vast Yeah, it's very diverse, isn't it, portfolio? Yeah. It, it is, it is. And, you know, my team, we're not siloed, so we cover all those business streams. And I, I, I personally just love the work that we do as an organisation. Like it's a, a, you know, when you, you get off the phone and you really help someone to understand aged care or understand... Um, or help them on their journey to a no interest loan or help them on a journey to counselling. Like it's just a really rewarding yeah, absolutely. Um, job that yeah. we have. Yeah. Well, yeah, my parents are, um, you know, getting to that stage now where, you know, my mum had an accident last year and my dad, you know, struggles getting around. So I've just really been exposed to this new world mm. is sort of what I call it the last sort of six, 12 months. And it's, it's it's almost like you know when you've got a dog and I know you've got a couple of dogs yeah you go down to the oh. you go down to the beach and and you you notice other people with dogs and you notice other dogs but if you don't have a dog you sort of don't know that world exists you know that exactly. there's there's special exactly. dog parks and you know you take your little poo hop you know bags when you go for a walk and all these sort of little things that happen and it's a little yeah. bit like aged care for me it's just this whole world exposed that you know there is all this home help available and there's all these support services and but until you sort of you, know, you, you get to a point in your life where you need it for either yourself or for you. Fear for your elderly relatives. It's, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So it is. It's amazing work you guys do. It's incredible. Yeah, and and you know the COVID has definitely thrown a spanner in the works for us, um, especially with aged care in residential facilities. So it's fair to say it was in the news a lot uh, over the last twelve months, Amy. But I believe um, there's a little bit of uh, a direct link. It would be fair to say to Ooh. you guys. Tell me a little bit about that. So I believe it was March third last year in 2020 that I got a phone call fairly early in the morning to say that one of our workers had tested positive for COVID-19 and this was before the Prime Minister had come out and announced any restrictions. So this was, you know, we'd had our first case 
in Australia, but we hadn't really thought about it too much yep. um, as a country. And so I got the phone call. I looked to my husband and said, I think you're going to have to take our daughter to school today because I think I'm going to be busy. And basically we had a site, Dorothy Henderson Lodge, which is a residential facility or a nursing home, yep. lovely facility. And uh, once we, and we had an infected worker and so then we had to sort of launch into um, an emergency response to the virus that was going in there. And it was the first residential facility in Australia that had COVID-19. And it was yeah. a, it then sort of sparked off a really surreal 65-day event where we were watching ourselves on the news. Um, we were watching, you know, the dramatic music and people from New South Wales Health coming in. Um, I, I remember telling, walking out in the media saying, can you give a statement? And I said, my statement is, can you get out of the way so I can drive my car home? So it was very yeah. surreal. And, and all the calls that were going into Dorothy Henderson Lodge got diverted to my call centre or my contact centre. Yeah. Um, we call it a customer engagement centre. Even the doorbell. So when people would ring the doorbell to start their shift, it would ring us. And so luckily we were the building next door, so we'd sort of just open the window and call out, knock on the door. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, but it was, um, it, we had a lot to learn because no one in the country had dealt with this in a residential facility before. And we know that the aged community is more susceptible to this virus than, mm, mm. than, than any others. And, and we you know, we, we did it really well. And then we obviously then had to report then to the Royal Commission as well. So it was, for me, it was a, a very stressful time, but also my immense pride in my team in how they handled it because it's not easy having those sort of conversations with family members saying, I visited my mother two days ago. Do I need to go and get a COVID-19 test? Mm -hmm. And, you know, has she tested positive? Has he tested positive? And this was just information that we just didn't have at hand yep. at that time. And then New South Wales Health asked us to do some contact tracing. I've never been a contact tracer before. Um, uh -huh. but, yeah. we, but we, you know, adapted and we learned and we managed to do the contact tracing for Dorothy Henderson Lodge. And obviously now that, it's, uh, you know, we're more familiar with the virus and how it works and operates. We know to shut facilities down, mm. um, meaning that, you know, you can only go in with a mask yep. and you have to answer certain questions before you can go into a facility. Mm. All of those things are now in place. So, but when you're the first one Absolutely. to have it, yeah. yeah. But I'll, I'll just sing out, we do have... Um, one of our residents recently turned 105, so oh, wow. he survived that Fantastic. Yep. COVID outbreak. We did lose a few, yep. um, sadly, um, and and that was really hard for the whole team and for their families and everything. But, you know, we I think the communication that we had and the care and empathy that my team naturally have really helped us through that time. But it was, it was hard because we were talking to people who were obviously really distressed and... Again, this was well before Scott Morrison came out and said anything about the coronavirus. So, mm -hmm. and then when they shut food supplies down, like restaurants and things, that meant that homeless people couldn't access food vans. 
And so we had people calling us asking for food support. So, you know, it, it just sort of kept rolling on, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're right at that the, whole lockdown. You know, what you guys do is right at the front line of all that too, right? So as you said, across that yeah. diverse portfolio you've got, you would have you know, seen significant growth in probably all of them, and uh, which is not a good thing in terms of uh, that means the community is doing it pretty tough, which obviously everyone has through, yeah. through COVID. So, wow, what an amazing experience. Uh, we would probably it do was, a podcast just on that alone, I reckon. But, uh, alone. Um, I will say this. I am proud that my business continuity plan that I test every year worked because <laughs> ah. I never had to I never had to employ it before. Awesome. And so I was like, oh, okay, I can go to my business continuity plan. Let's stick in an IVR. Let's just get this thing done. Well done. So, You're one of the few it, it, that had yeah. one in place, I think. So yeah, um, I <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure from here on in, everyone's going to have a BCP plan though. So I have uh, a BCP, um, yep. And if you, yeah. if you are listening and you're going, what the hell is a BCP plan? It is business continuity plan. Continuity so it's plan. a plan for when everything goes to, to crap. <laughs> what, would we, yeah. what do we do? Um, what do we do now? Yeah, so um, fantastic. Yeah. Well, today, obviously, um, for everyone that's tuning in, most of them probably work in contact centres or CX and uh, they're here to learn something. So um, I, I was really intrigued because um, we, we sort of had a chat uh, a while ago now and uh, mm. talking about some interesting concepts that you've got. So I really want to sort of dive into uh, to what that's all about. And I know we've got a few PowerPoint slides that – we will refer to, if you are listening to this as the podcast, those slides will be available on the CX Central website. Um, so you'll find this podcast and the slides. Uh, just go to cxcentral.com.au. Of course, if you're watching this on uh, on our YouTube channel or on the, on the site itself, you'll see the slides as we're talking. So over to you, Amy. Tell me all about it. So when I got my job at Baptist Care, they... Um, the senior executive had decided that they wanted to create an intake centre for all new uh, customers coming into Baptist Care. And, and that's very varied from, you know, in-home support, from community um, assistance, emergency relief, um, residential aged care. So it, it, it's all very different business streams. Yep. But they had a whole list of all the things they wanted this engagement centre to have and all of them were qualitative. So it was all the customer feels unique and loved and respected and guided by the advisors and so they were all beautiful and I have to commend the senior executive for, you know, having this sort of concept and they have this one thing that I, I always laugh about is I want to speak to Freddie. And I had mean? to ask them, yeah. what does that mean? And you know when you call a call centre and you want to just talk to the person you talked to before? Right. That, that was that, that okay. concept. Yep. And I, I was like, okay, but Freddie might be on holidays or That's in the right. bathroom. Or they might be on a break. And or, yep. Yeah, and poor Jane sitting next to Freddie is just as good. So, But I understand what you mean, which mm. means that, that it has to be full transparency in terms of your conversation that you had. Yep. And so I had to, there was just these two little dot points at the end of the list, Here which was <laughs> coming under budget. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then also um, uh, don't let people wait on the phone too long. <laughs> so, right. so we yeah, want, so we want an amazing service quality service, but we don't want to spend, yeah. any, we don't want to spend any more money basically. So, um, Basically, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. We want to, we'll invest this amount of money. Yep. Um, but we don't want people to wait too long on the phone. Yep. Um, but we want them to be able to talk for as long as they want. So, right. so that would you know, send a you... shutter into most contacts in a people, Amy. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. how did you I... real deal with that? 
yep, I had I gave it a lot of thought, <laughs> and it was exciting actually for me because this was something that I had always dreamed of doing. And when you think about it, some of the concepts that you have to explain to people about aged care or about community services or about getting, you know, assistance for domestic violence counselling, how can you put an average handle time on that? Yeah, how can right. you say you've got 550 seconds to solve this problem? Yep. And I didn't want to do that for my team. So what I wanted to do for the team was to, they focus on the customer. And I will have to just tell a little story here that's sort of slightly off the point, but one time I was shopping and, or I saw an ad on TV and it said, if you want um, this great product, we'll clean your shower with just one wipe. And then I looked at the instructions on the back and it said, start with a clean shower. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's kind of uh, yeah. the problem that I have. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it, it goes to that saying then that, you know, start with a great team. Yep. And I have an amazing team of customer engagement advisors yep. who are truly magnificent in what they do. And so they connect on an individual level every day. They hear some really horrific stories sometimes. Yep. And they are compassionate and wonderful human beings. So, Amy, I have to ask um, you, and, I, and I'm going to digress a little bit here, but you've mentioned mm. the amazing team a couple of times. And I know for a lot mm. of people, recruitment is just such a, a pain <laughs> trying to find mm. quality staff. So can I just ask just briefly before we get back to, to the rest of it, how, how and where do you find these amazing people? What, what was your secret? Did you recruit directly? Did you go through an agency? Did you? What was the magic formula? Um. <laughs> it started small. We started with a team of two, which is me and um, uh, another lady. Um, and then basically when we recruit, we do lots of phone interviews as well, lots of scenarios. Yep. I throw some curveballs out there because we have had some really interesting calls. Mm. One of them was... In the Great Depression, my wife used to make me a boiled onion and I can't find a recipe for it. So this was a man in his 90s. Yep. He needed to know how to boil an onion with the recipe that happened in the Great Depression. Mm. And so how would you problem solve that? Mm. Uh, and now that's Google. not a service. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Google. Yeah, you'd look it up. And then one time we had a call, someone was out of petrol in Dubbo and that's not really something that, our organisation supplies, and I don't really know why they call Baptist Care for that one, but we got them in contact with, you know, the NRMA. So when yep. when I interview people, I really do interrogate and throw these really curveball answers because we will help anybody who calls us. Yeah. Like that's one of our concepts is that whether they're going to become a Baptist Care customer or not, mm. we, we will help you. But the boiled onion story is, you know, now that gentleman, every time he boils an onion, he's going to think about Baptist Care. So yeah. Yeah. the we do have an internal recruitment system as well, which works as well. Right. So, yeah. And I uh, imagine empathy is a big part of, you know, oh, absolutely. A, a, a skill set you need, right? So Yeah. Uh, and I also, you know, we're a quirky team too. We we have fun and we're uh, team culture is really, really important to me. And we're also a very flat management system. So I, I'll get on the phone when I need to. My team leaders will as well. There's no, uh, there's a hierarchy, but in terms of uh, delivering customer care, 
we're all on the same page. Yeah, yep. And, 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 and how, how big's your team, Amy, for those listening? I didn't ask earlier on, so just to yeah, put some context ten, around it. 10 to 12 people. Okay, yep, yep, yep fantastic. Yep. Um, okay, so you've got a fantastic team. Sorry for digressing, but I thought people would want to know right. that. So, yep. um, so you've got an amazing team behind you. Um, so let's get back to the story where we want, uh, we want amazing quality, but uh, we want you to come in under budget, please, and make under sure budget, people don't talk yeah. too long. Yeah. yeah, and so you know with basic, basic Erlang, calculator A or C, whichever one or a combo of both, yep. then, you know, if you've got, you don't want people to wait and there's 10 people expected to call, then you need 10 people on the phone. Yep. So you do need to have a service level. So our service level is 80% of calls answered within 60 seconds. Right. And what I thought I'd do is just reinvent some concepts I'd learned from a consultant manager, David Leanne, mm-hmm. who taught me driver trees yep. and sensitivity analysis and put that in place. So what we're trying to do here is look for efficiencies. And so my team are able to spend as much time as they need with the person and I'm going to make sure that the tools that they have available to them are the most efficient tools. And I continue this process on a sort of rolling 12 weeks um, to make sure my service level stays above 80. So if we um, bring up slide one, I'll start to explain it. So this is not a new concept, by the way. This was invented, I think, in the 1920s um, by a company called DuPont, if memory serves. And basically a driver tree is a way of putting financials into transactional information and you glue them together through mathematics. Now, there's art and science here and sometimes I get a little bit lost in the detail and when people who know me hear this, they'll say, Amy, you get a lot lost in the detail. <laughs> so, and and I, I, I'm not a, you know, the most amazing person at mathematics, um, but I do love being a data detective. So if we pop the slide back up, I'll explain what we're looking at. So basically, on the far right-hand side, you can see that I've got average talk time, inbound calls, average hold time. So I'm still looking at all these metrics in terms of average handle time. My team don't have a target, but I still look at the data. And then I bring that all back down to a transactional cost. So the cost for the inbound call, and in this particular instance, is $7.58. So if I'm seeing my service level drop, that means that my, so you could take it from that perspective, or if I can see my occupancy is um, going up or low, lower than I expect. So my team are either idle or they're overworked, whichever way you want to look at it. Mm. But but for this purpose of this one, we'll just look at it from a transactional perspective. So let's say I want to reduce that cost by 1%, just for the sake of the argument. Yep. So if we pop up slide two, mm. um, what I do then is I look for the motivation of the call. So I need to investigate why people are calling and and then sort of do some analytics behind that. Now, this is where I use the analogy, if I can, of let's just say I'm the plumber of a street and each house is one of my business streams and there is a, a leak in some of my plumbing. And I want to look for the leaks in my plumbing and fix them. Because what I've noticed in in call centre worlds is that sometimes the 
impacts of an inefficiency upstream are actually felt downstream. So yep. it'll be, yep. we need more people on the phone, the service level's going down, whatever, something like that. You, you see the costs going there. When actually if you go upstream is where you actually identify the problem. So that's when you start to investigate. So if I look at my street and I identify my house, I then need to identify, is it the bathroom tap that's leaking? Is it the kitchen tap that's leaking? Is it the laundry? And so that's where the motivation for the call might pop in. Now, you might find at this point that you need to then dive even further in to see which one is your problem. Now, because this is constructed normally in Excel, all of these are glued together mathematically. Yep. And then you can use a function in Excel called um, Goal Seek, which is found, I think, under the tab Data Analysis. And you can basically use Goal Seek to touch point on each of those lines and see where is my tap leaking. So if we flip to the next slide, I go, okay, yep. yeah. So I have a leak of in emergency relief. So that's supplying when people call without food, are they needing food? Mm -hmm. And we need to supply them, we need to give them some information about where they can get food support. And I also have no interest loan applications and no interest loan follow-ups. Some of my bigger ticket items down there, so the miscellaneous bucket down there, 45%. Yep. I'm not gonna put 45% of effort in to fix a 1% problem. That might mean a whole bathroom refit. If my service level is okay, I'm going to go for my sort of easy to fix items first. So I'm going to target, basically, I just don't want to do too much effort to fix a 1% problem. Sure. Yep. So the 2.4% there is, okay, I've got a problem with emergency relief here. I need to investigate what that actually is. Now, at this point, I usually have a gut instinct for what it is because I do sit in the very center of my team and as i said i you know take calls along with the rest of my team as well yep. so i often get an instinct for the data but I, I i like to prove it mathematically first so then if we go to the next slide this is where the average handle time comes into effect now emergency relief is right up there in my top right hand quadrant and you can see the talk time is 36 percent but the wrap up or work time afterwards is 59 percent now, in normal call center metrics, you'd say that's really bad. Mm -hmm. That's not a great statistic to have. But I was looking at it and questioning, well, why is it like that? So first of all, the person's without food, so we want to not keep them on their mobile phone for too long. So we basically get their postcode and what their needs are, and then we let the call go. And then my team were searching all the different um, emergency reliefs that Baptist Care provide and trying to find them. And so when we examined the problem, we sort of went, okay, well, it's because we can't have the information nice, quickly there in our face, right there to answer the question. So what we did is we mapped all the emergency relief support, so that's food support, to a postcode and we developed a, com a computer system that would do that. I have a team of very innovative, clever people. Yep. And 
now what happens is a person calls needing food support, we plonk in the postcode and it comes up with the location of the food support, the address, the time it's open, the nature of the food support that's going to be supplied. And so the result is that, first of all, I fixed the tap that was leaking. The person on the phone, our customer, is supported and given the information really quickly and not sitting there stressing, waiting for us to call them back to where they're going to find that food. My advisors are happy because they're not rummaging around trying to find food support and they can, you know, engage with this person and say, yes, okay, there's some food supports in three locations near where you are and he and here's where you can access them. Mm. And from a brand perspective, you know, it's a win as well because we're able to say, right, we are Baptist Care because we care and we are showing that we care because we're able to give you that food support straight away over the phone as soon as you call. And so we interrogate the data a lot. We look at it, uh, the driver trees a lot. Like I said, it is a little mixture of art and science. Sometimes I start gluing my numbers together with the different, is it is it this times this or this plus this? Yep. And then yep. I sit there and go, yeah, that's not right. And I have to sort of do it again and again and again. And I've been doing it for quite a few years. And even the master who taught me, David Leanne, he even told me the other day that it takes, uh, it's not a cookie cutter approach. Yeah, it takes yeah. practice. Yep. Yeah. So and if anyone ever wants to do this, I, you know, I, I would happily give David Leanne's number out. But the, the concept is that my team can stay focused on what's really important, which is that customer experience. Mm. Because we know that customer experience is, you know, it's, it's the new buzzword, but it, for us at Baptist Care, it is what we're about. We always put that customer first. And so how can I put an added pressure on my team of saying, you are going to be kind, caring, compassionate, knowledgeable about every single business stream and solve every single problem within these amount of seconds. That just won't work. So by taking that time pressure off them, they do still have some stats, so obviously quality stats, and start time, meal breaks, um, tea breaks, and finish time just because of basic Erlang concepts. They still have all of those. Yep. But in terms of the, the metrics, they don't have an average handle time. I still look at it. I still look at my outliers and, and what have you, but I use it more for finding which of the tap is leaking and then trying to see if I can put an efficiency in place. Now, sometimes the tap that's leaking means that there's going to have to be a whole new, if I keep the analogy going, bathroom refit, and that's okay. As long as the service level isn't dropping too much, we can then start a separate project to deal with that. But if we go to the next slide, we can see the success of, of what it is that we've done. So that line there, the 80% of calls answered within 60 seconds. Since I implemented it, this, this concept, we've been in the 90s. So the average speed of answer, 10 seconds. So With a, a volume of about 7,000 a month and 10 to 12 people on the team, no average handle time target, 
that's a pretty good success story. But the better success story, uh, or equally so, is the next slide, which is what do people say about us? So I don't know. Justin, do you want to read this one out for the people who can't Yeah, if you, see can, if you can't read it, it says, the staff member who answered the inquiry was beyond excellent. He was very polite and kind. He was knowledgeable about the facility and services offered. It seemed like he had genuine compassion. As he was representing the organisation, I would genuinely feel comfortable in having a family member stay at their facility as I felt like I could trust him. Excellent at his role, nothing, nothing negative at all. Not bad. Yeah. Not a bad little no. testimonial there, Amy. Not bad. No, and I get them weekly. That comes through weekly. Those sorts of comments. It's not unusual. I even got one for myself the other day, which is really nice. And then I felt a bit embarrassed because it's not really anything different to what my team do normally. Uh, that's what we're there for. We're there to, you know, that this person-centered, centered care. So what? we've been able to do is sort of flip it and say, let's still look at the average handle time. Let's still look at Erlang. Let's still look at talk time, work time, hold time, not ready time, all of the usual metrics that we're all familiar with, but let's use them in a different way. And by not putting that pressure on the team, it means that the team actually have naturally just become attuned to being really good at helping people in a really succinct way anyway. So it, I've sort of got a double whammy effect there. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a, like I said, it's a bit of art and a bit of science and it's very nuanced, but it's, um, it's a way to reimagine the traditional contact centre role. I think, and, it's, I think it's great that we're moving the focus on the quality of the conversation as opposed to yeah. how quickly you're getting through it. And and for the call centres that we, we see that do do that, I mean, the reality is if you've got a bad quality experience on the phone, invariably what happens is you're either going to lose business or they're going to call back anyway and it's going to take you more right. time. So, you know, I think every time I've seen, you know, centres that run similar models, you know, you typically it is more efficient to provide a better customer experience than not. Um, yes. But I think a lot yes. of people struggle with that link. I, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions, Amy, and, and yeah. for those that are listening, I, I'm just going back to a particular slide, but I know you said that you sort of put things in the motivation for the call. And, yeah. and on the slide that you had, if, if, if people aren't seeing, you had things like emergency relief, which we spoke about, and then general info counselling, unmet needs, SME, you know, et cetera. I just wanted to ask, yeah. um, like, how – how do, how do you know that? Are they putting some codes in, reason codes or something at the end yeah. of the call for you to know what it was they, about? They do. And sometimes you go, you look at it and you think, all right, I need to actually put another tier in there. Like I need to add another layer mm -hmm. because it might be that my bucket is too big mm -hmm. and I want to get to the... I, I know that it's the bathroom that's leaking, but I don't know if it's the shower, the bathtub. Or yeah, the, that, that's right. So you could have that extra yeah. drop-down box or something. You could ask the extra yeah. info. Yeah. So, and, and I should say that you always need about 12 data points, so 12 weeks, because one data set is not going to give you a trend. Yep. So I might look at it and go, okay, I know this particular part of it is a problem, but then I'm going to add an extra reason code onto that. And, and my reason codes will change over time mm. depending on what I'm investigating. And that 
that list that we had before with the side with the percentages of how much effort will I have to put in, yep. you'll see there was a big miscellaneous bucket, so which I think was about 49%. So my service level is fine at the moment, so I don't need to interrogate it too much. I think it's probably the side before that one. Sorry, there we go. Yep, yeah, that's yep. yeah. Yep. So see that last one, miscellaneous? So yep. for, for a 1% decrease in cost, I'm not going to put 45% of effort in because I'm a bit, you know, well, that's well. going to be, that. that's a whole new house really. But I want to know what it is. So I'm going to start putting some different reason codes in there and my team and I will get together and we'll start developing those codes as well, as well as the business as well. So each, if I think of each house on the street as its business stream, I'll go back to that business streams general manager or the people that we work with and say, you know, we're seeing that we're getting a, a lot of contacts about this topic. So what data do you want us to collect? Because we need to be able to make sure that we're, we've got all the useful tools available to us to answer it straight away. And it might mean a complete, we need a new computer system or we need some more transparency. Yep. And it might be, that might get a bit sensitive at times, you know, you know, asking people to share their calendars with us or, or whatever it is, mm. but data doesn't lie. And, and so it's a really good approach to say, well, you know, you, your seek is leaking and, and really our, our focus, and this is why I love working for Baptist Care, is that our focus is about helping that individual. You know, they're, they're calling in a, a state of crisis mm. for whatever reason it might be, any of the business streams. Yep. And we want to be able to really help them. And so the tools available to my team have to be able to mean that they can do that as efficiently as possible. And, yeah, so we continually interrogate and I do have a data analyst in my team and I do have some team members who are just data geeks like me. Yeah. So, um, and I do have some team members who are uh, beautiful with their language and how they speak to people and the way they explain concepts to people, you know, explaining aged care, you mentioned it, the, you know, you were at the beach and it's like this whole new world of aged care sort of opens up and it is a complex minefield to, mm -hmm. to, to navigate through. And if you're ringing up about it, you want somebody kind and friendly and knowledgeable on the phone to really talk you through it. So I don't want to put a time pressure on them but I will get their opinion as well as to what kind of reason codes we put in there. Sure. But I call it the sense. motivation yeah. of the code, yep. the motivation for the reason. The call, yeah, yeah. yeah, makes sense. So um, so now obviously look, and, and everyone who knows me knows I'm a huge advocate of not having AHC targets on, on agents. I think you know your approach is absolutely spot on. You monitor it at a centre manager level uh, and, of course, mm. if you can lower it, it's a good thing. Um, but yeah. how, how do you, in, in such a small team, I guess, with you know 10 to 12, obviously if someone's – you know, you can't have someone just spend four hours with someone either, right? Because if, if a call comes in and as much as we want to be yeah. nice and friendly, but if everyone spoke to everyone for four hours, you're not going to get through all the calls. So how do you try and get that balance? Because, you know, there still has to be some sort of focus, I guess, on, on being efficient, not necessarily with a time target, but, yeah, how do you sort of manage that approach in your team? Yeah, yeah. so that's where the, the people in my team who they're, Core responsibility is not phone calls. 
yep. will then look at the queue and say, yeah, okay, I'll hop on the queue. And it started out with really, we have, you know, the wallboard on the, in the team and I say, that poor person's been waiting for 22 seconds for help. Someone help them. But if I can see the queue that there's no one available to help, I'll, I'll get on. Yeah. So it's a very, even though each business stream is unique and complex in its own different ways in government reporting and understanding and unpacking the information, we don't work in silos in my team. So my whole team are available to answer at any given point in time. The other thing that we do have, and I don't have to put it in too much, is the a callback function. So, yep. you know, they, they can easily, a person, and I've made it so people in, you know, the 70 years to over 70 can easily just say, my name is Justin Tippett. I'm calling about my mum. Um, please call me back. And then the system, as soon as the next available agent's free, will just automatically dial them. Yep, yep, understand. And you mentioned, you touched on it um, very briefly. You mentioned that you do still run the outliers, you know, reports. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so with regards to the outliers, it, within a team of 10 to 12, have you got a couple of agents that are, you know, when you do look at the stats, are always longer than everyone else? Um, both spectrums, actually. Yeah. So, and, and I should say that it's not just uh, the calls, there's email, there's outbound calls, and then there's also the processing of the inquiry. So if I was going to get, you know, your mum some help in the home, the government requires us to put in certain bits of information sure, about it yep. that we're going to report on. So there's a lot of data entry things yep. as well. So the um, I've got some people who are super speedy at that and some people who aren't. And I've got some people who are um, really great at talking for a long period of time but not super speedy. And I just utilise their natural inborn skills and... Uh, and, and that's how it works. Like it's when I look at the outliers and I sort of say, okay, well, I don't think he could have possibly resolved this within that many seconds. I might just, we've got call recording, obviously. So I listen yep. to the call and I see if there's an issue um, and some training needs available that, you know, we might need to, to look at. But it really doesn't come up very often. I, I, I find by reducing that pressure off the team, they've just naturally become really skilled at what they do. The other thing, and this is something that we've lost a little bit with COVID because we are working from home at the moment, is that while we're all sitting in the same room, you can sort of hear how other people explain concepts. And you That's go, right. You learn by osmosis, way. don't you? Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'm, going to, I'm going to use that explanation next time. And, yep. uh, you know, I love explaining home care packages and residential facilities and, you know, refundable accommodation deposits and all sorts of wonderful things that the government makes yeah. tricky for people to understand. <laughs> I love explaining that and that's the trainer in me. But, the, you know, to, to listen to how someone else explains it, you sort of go, yep, that's good. I'm going to incorporate that. And so really I don't have management issues very often and I think that goes back to that recruitment process as well and really interrogating them and using that probationary period. And I do tell people when they do start working for me 
that I have a very high expectation. I'm very nice, I'm a nice manager, um, but I do have a very high expectation of my team in terms of quality and, and not everybody does pass probation. Yep, yep. It's a hard job. And I think one of the misconceptions globally probably about call centres in general is that people don't realise what a hard job it is. You know, it, it's one of the most challenging You've got to learn all this information. You've got to be able to talk to a vast amount of people who often can be cranky. You've got to help them. You've got to resolve their problems. If I just take that pressure of the AHT off them, my team just make it work. It, it's, it, it's, it's really good. So I think the interview process of getting the right person is right and I, when I interview, I do tell people, I want you to be interviewing me as well, because if you're not the right fit for our culture, it's not going to work. Yep, yep. Fantastic. Amy, I really appreciate you um, taking some time out to explain sort of how you go about things. I think the more people focus on quality, um, the better yeah. outcome it's going to be for everyone. So it's great to know that we've got some people out there that are uh, – are making a difference out there in the world, and I spent, especially with the important role that your centre plays in the in the community as well, uh, and just yeah, to have that focus. Yeah. And as you said, someone knows that, uh, like that testimonial said, you know, when I ring up, uh, I know it's not, they're not just not trying to rush me off the phone; they're actually invested no, in helping yeah. me. I think is 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 awesome. So, um, thank yeah. you for uh, for jumping on the uh, podcast. I've loved uh, having well, a chat to you me. and sharing yeah. sharing the slides. As I said, they will be available on the Six Central website if people want to go and have a look, and that'll mirror up yeah. uh, what what we've been talking about, so you can see it on the screen. Um, now, if anyone wants to learn about driver trees, just let me know, and I can get them in contact with the right person. Fantastic. Um, it's, a, it's a whole training in itself, but it's a really valuable tool to have. Yep. Um, and, and you can easily look it up on the internet, but um, it, it is something that is you have to interrogate the data a bit. But it's the data analyst in me, that, you know, the data detective that, that I really enjoy. Yeah, fantastic. Now, Amy, we didn't speak about this pre-show, but do you want to give your own podcast a plug? Oh, oh, yeah, okay. So I don't actually um, talk about Baptist care at all in my own podcast, um, but I do have my own podcast called Amy Asks, and that's because uh, I like to think of people who are too scared to ask a question. And so I have, you know, people saying to me, um, you know, asking about mental health or asking about, you know, impacts of COVID-19 or women's employment, um, asking about, um, economics, because I didn't know much about economics myself, and and you see it on the ABC every day, and you go, what what on earth is the Dow Jones? Yep. I didn't know. So I found an economist, and we tried to make economics fun. So um, Amy at amygibson.com.au. Yeah, there, there Amy up. Amy asks, yeah. all right, so look it out for on, on all good podcast stations as well as the CX Central podcast, of course. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Amy, thank you so much for joining us and uh, we look forward to uh, probably hearing your continued success. Um, or my, have, you, have you entered any awards programs out of interest? Um, no, but I want to, yeah. Mm, I, think, right. I, think, I think, you know, the, the unique way that we run the centre and I, I mean, obviously I'm gushy about my team but they are amazing um, that and and my organisation that I work for to even have the concept of you know having this beautiful 
customer centric concept. Yep. It, it's just, you know, we, yeah, we should enter some sort of awards program. Get definitely. on board, ozcontact.com.au. Got a great awards program. So uh, <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Amy. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back with another special guest at another time. Bye for now. Thanks. Thanks, Justin.